Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies and their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. No, you're gross. You know you're gross. I don't see, I don't... Oh, whoa, whoa, that's not what we do here on FC. <laughs> Adjusting himself in his car with the lights on. He doesn't yeah. even turn the light off in his car. Uh, Gremlins too. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, dads, gotta love him. What have I done? What have I done? Hey there, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Why would you move your mic stand while I'm in the middle of my opening? I looked at how yours was positioned. Look how my position realized mine was far closer than yours. I told now you. I'm looking at my levels and now I'm, uh, I'm going to put it right there. Well, my level's not put good. No, my, my not levels good? are not good. Well, that's your now my sounds like better. a personal issue. Right? Let's <laughs> get these brand new stands. They're, they're quieter. So we have come to the end of season eight. And what a season it's been. Mem- the memories. Remember? Remember Beautiful Girls and yes. Palmetto? <laughs> And Frankenweenie, good time. I do remember Beautiful Girls because I remember, on retrospect, very much liking that movie. Excellent, excellent. So we can only, so we look fondly upon season eight as we move into season nine, which will be next week, of course. But right now, we're going to wrap up with the movie from 1994, the comedy Greedy. Uh, I di- you did not see this before. I put this on the list because I did, we did not see it. When we did the final countdown episode, I was looking at Kirk Douglas's filmography. So he did Greedy starring Michael J. Fox. And I was like, Michael J. Fox did a movie with Kirk Douglas? Nice. And I had, for some reason, never heard of this movie or never saw this movie. Watched the trailer. Thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I brought it up to you. And you're like, that might be a good one to put on the list. Yeah. So I was Excellent. like, what's the only way I watch movies now? So <laughs> put it on the list. <laughs> All right. So I'm glad we put it on the list. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell everyone what the movie's about? And then I'll get into the facts. Uncle Joe is aging. He's also a millionaire. That's why his family is trying so very hard to get into his good graces. They all want a piece of his empire. Unfortunately, Uncle Joe isn't as stupid as his family thinks he is. He can see that his family is only nice to him because they want his money. Along comes Daniel McTeague, a struggling bowler imported from another city by his family to put an end to this ridiculous situation. The fight won't be easy, though, because 
the poor family has a little bit of competition. A beautiful nurse who takes care of Uncle Joe and no doubt would love to take care of his bank account. Who gets all the money? Watch and find out. Who wrote that? Now, I, you, you don't like me saying it. Now, you know, don't tell me because imported from another. T- what is I mean, what is he a good? Is he a goods or something? Yeah, it, it's really weird. They they ask him to come to the family home. Yeah. Um. All right. So <laughs> Greedy has a runtime of 113 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Production budget of $23 million. It was released on March 4th, 1994, which was a Friday. Opening weekend, it did $4 million. Domestic and worldwide were the same. So I'm assuming it didn't have a worldwide release or an international release. And it only made $13 million. So not a hit. Uh, go ahead. No, right? Production I'm surprised budget. it's not a hit. Uh, well, I think we'll get into maybe why it wasn't a hit. Gotcha. Production budget of, uh, excuse me, the production company was Imagine Entertainment. Distributed by Universal Pictures. So it came out on the 4th. So let's go to the week before. Uh, you On the 25th of February, you had Sugar Hill, Eight Seconds, and In the Name of the Father. And so then on the 4th, which is when Greedy came out, you had The Chase. That is the Charlie Sheen, right? In the car. Yep. And I remember really liking that movie when I was younger. Whoa, yeah. I thought, no. it, was, it, was, thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Because uh, you wanted to, you know have sex with a girl and uh, while you're driving it's the only way to do it right terrible that movie's the same thing dude. happens in white men can't jump when we did white men can't jump, yeah, white men can't jump better <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh angie what's eating gilbert grape and in a limited release china moon and then the wednesday after the fourth so that ninth you had the ref which is what we did two seasons ago right last no this last christmas holiday the last holiday yeah so yeah, okay well, well one season ago, one yeah, season ago, yeah. at the end and then on march 11th which is the full week after uh the release of greedy you had lightning jack Guarding test, which is not, we've seen that before. Four weddings and a funeral, and then you also had the Hudsucker proxy. Those last two are in a limited release, and that's a heck of a limited release uh, because those two are pretty good movies. Yeah, we know you love Hudsucker proxy. Hudsucker proxy is funny, man. <laughs> so real quick, because we are on the movie releases, one of the reasons why I think this movie didn't do well is because it went up against Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. So Ace Ventura: Ooh. Pet Detective. So the greedy opened it opened number two. Ventura was number one. This is, I want to say this is the fourth or fifth week of Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura was number one and was in the top spot five out of the first six weeks that it was out. So it was a it was a huge thing. So I think that's probably part of the reason why Greedy maybe didn't catch on. Oh yeah. Um, and maybe people are just expecting Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox. I don't know. <laughs> Directed by Jonathan Lynn, who also did uh the movie Clue, which is what we did. And season five. Yep. I was trying to remember the seasons. Uh, he also directed Nuns in the Run and My Cousin Vinny. Written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. Now, Gans, had these, they're a writing team. So these are both their credits. Uh, with the except, So they both were nominated for an Oscar for writing Splash. Uh, they also have Multiplicity, The Tooth Fairy, and A League of Their Own. Uh, Gans is, as, was an executive producer and a writer and was ba- basically big time involved in the two TV shows, Happy Days and the spinoff, Laverne and Shirley. I don't know if you've heard of those, but they're a pretty big deal. Mm, no, can't say I have. <laughs> uh, cinematography by Gabriel Beristain. He did Blade 2, uh, the 2015 TV show MacGyver, and he's also doing the upcoming Black Widow, which is coming out whenever. Composed by <laughs> Randy Edelman. Uh, he did The Last Mohegan, Six Days, Seven Nights, and Anaconda. Anaconda, excuse me. He did <laughs> Last Mohegan, Six Days, Seven Nights, and Anaconda. Edited by Tony Lombardo. 
uh, who has edited Just One of the Guys, Uncle Buck and Sergeant Bilko. And then produced by Brian Grazer, who is, when you hear Imagine Entertainment, that's Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, but it's mainly Brian Grazer. Uh, he won an Oscar for producing A Beautiful Mind. Won Best Picture. He was nominated for Frost Nixon, Apollo 13, and Splash. Splash has a lot of nominations, which I was surprised of. Michael J. Fox plays Danny. I would assume you all know who Michael J. Fox is. If not, he is from these movies, these trilogy called Back to the Future. He's also in The Secret of My Success, a, a little favorite of mine. And uh, in the TV show Spin City. Kirk Douglas, who we lost uh, in 2020, rest in peace, uh, played Uncle Joe. He was in The Final Countdown, Butler. That's right. He's also Spartacus. And it, he was uh, also, what? no. I'm Spartacus. Correct. And he's also in It Runs in the Family. Nancy Travis is Robin. She's also from another movie we did, uh, which was season three or four. Sorry, Man and Axe Murder. Maybe six. I don't remember. I think six. six. Was it the last? Who knows? They're yeah. all blending together now. <laughs> uh, she's also in Three Men and a Little Lady and the TV show Last Man Standing. Uh, Olivia Diabo is Molly. You might know her for, as the older sister in The Wonder Years for all the old people out there. She's also in Porn and No Return. And she's also in Law and Order Criminal Intention. She plays Nicole Wallace, which is Goran's uh, like, kind of like nemesis. And she's in like five or six episodes. And she's just as... Okay, never mind. I'll get off my oh, criminal man. <laughs> Listen, he, he tweeted that they want to do another movie. So I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So Phil Hartman plays... <laughs> <laughs> Phil Hartman plays Frank. Uh, obviously, you should know Phil Hartman from his years on SNL. He's also in Jingle All the Way, but you should also check out News Radio, the TV show, because he is fantastic in that. Uh, Ed Begley Jr. plays Carl. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Phil Hartman is also in Go. So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> Good scene. We talk about it. Ed Begley Jr. is Carl. He's from the TV show St. Elsewhere. He's in the movie A Mighty Wind and She Devil. Jerry Burns is Glenn. Uh, he's on mainly TV, uh, Dear John, Justified, and Angie Tribeca. There are a lot of people in this movie. Colleen Camp as Patty. She's also from Clue. She's mm-hmm. in Die with a Vengeance and The House with a Clock in Its Walls, which is another movie we did last, our last Forgotten Horror. Yep. Bob Babylon, excuse me, that's wrong. Bob Balaban as Ed. <laughs> he was nominated for an Oscar for Gosford Park. He actually wrote Gosford Park. Well, maybe co-wrote it. Oh, he produced did? Produced it, yes. And he's also that. in it, yeah. Uh, he's in Best in Show, and you might know him as the NBC executive in the TV show Seinfeld when they sell the show to him. He's the exec that um, they try to sell the show to. And then I believe, doesn't Elaine get him sick because she sneezes in his food or something like that? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joyce Heiser as Muriel. The reason why I have her here is because I was looking at this movie and I'm like, just woman looks familiar like really familiar she is in she's the lead in just one of the guys did you, did you ever see that movie yes but i thought she looked a whole lot like um more tyranny no i guess she looks like that too <laughs> uh fiorentino from uh mm. correct i had coffee yeah. sorry i was drinking a coffee so i was like oh, that's but i know she's not but she looks a lot like her. But yep. yes, she looks like a lot of other actresses. <laughs> she's <laughs> also in la law and this this is which is a tv show and the movie this is spinal tap Mary Ellen Trainer as Nora. She was from the Goonies, Romancing the Stone, Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, and also Die Hard. Uh, Siobhan Fallon Hogan as Tina. She's from Men in Black. Uh, she was married to Edgar. Edgar. Uh, she's also in the TV show Wayward Pines, the movie The Negotiator, which we uh, did. Okay, there you go. I, wait, I was waiting for you to jump on that. <laughs> and the movie Holes. And then uh, a couple other, you know, a little bit parts, but they're people that you would know. Condi Alexander as Laura. She's also in the TV show News Radio. She's on CSI for forever. Uh, Jonathan Lynn, the director of this movie, is plays Douglas, the butler in this. <laughs> so if he looks familiar, he's also in Three Men and a Little Lady. And then did you notice Kirsten Dunst in the movie? 
I didn't. I saw her in the cast. I was like, oh, she plays one of the daughters. So you can you only see her when they first get to the house. And they're like, come on, Jolene, Joanne. And they walk in. Yeah. That's the only time you see her face. And then obviously in the posters. And then Lowell Gantz, the writer, plays that TV director that is like. I did yeah. see that in the goose. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie. You want, you want my ass? My ass? You want to sit in the Yeah, sure. Give me a, give me a establishing shot going get there. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, so I had seen this movie. This is a movie that I quote frequently with another friend of mine. Uh, I love. I'm gonna tell you right off the bat. I love Phil Hartman in this movie. He's, he is the, my the favorite my favorite thing in this movie. Um, so I'm curious what you thought of it because you you had only seen the the trailer and, right. and all that stuff. So go ahead. I liked it. I thought it was really really good. I enjoyed a lot of it. I'm surprised I have never seen this movie. Uh, Phil Hartman is great. There are a lot of really good lines. I didn't think it was maybe as laugh out loud funny as I thought it was going to be from the trailer. I can um, uh, I go ahead. I agree with that. Yeah. The trailer had a lot of the laughs all like compiled into one thing. So you thought it was going to be maybe more goofier, more jokey than it actually was. Yeah. But I still really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good movie. Um, a little predictable, but that was fine. Yep. Do you think that it, though, was there going to be that huge twist at the end? Did you get all? Did you think that that was real? um like that was legit like you were expecting that to happen the very end twists in the in the courtroom or in the lawyer's office uh well there's just the fact that he's poor and that uh, but the whole thing where he's like not he's not poor i was waiting to see like a twist where the money would go away where part of it would just be taken care of him mm -hmm. I, I was waiting for that but then uh, even after they said he was in debt what i was expecting was but if you sell off all his assets okay, you are right. no longer ninety five thousand. you are now have five million dollars right, right, okay. or something like that so i was expecting that but i was not surprised when the end twist was it was all just the thing to right which and i the do very have, end twist when he walks out which I was, is, which is i great. was waiting for the whole movie yeah which is great all right let's go when he gets up and yep. walks out no more lies no more deceptions <laughs> all right i promise i'll uh, just to jump to the end when he was just like you can't do this he's like you don't want it let me finish <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that, um i one of the things that struck me watching this now because i had not seen this movie for a while gotcha. i've okay. seen clips on youtube or you know share clips with other people on youtube and stuff like that but was they i didn't realize i spent a lot of time with danny and just him and his, his girlfriend which is played by nancy travis right just kind of setting that up i i thought though i always maybe because it's the only the scenes that i remember the most is when they when the family's together so that's the, those are the scenes that are the funniest. Right, yeah. So those are the scenes you always remember. But I didn't realize that there was a lot more stuff setting up Danny and setting up that whole just kind of his personality and his his character, so that you know he would have that growth within the within the movie. right. Which I do. I do like that they spent time with Danny. Right. One of the things I like the most about the movie is the character of Danny, like his motivations and his like his excuses to himself, I guess, and why he's doing this. I like that it. It, it was all things. It was everything. It was everything he said when he's telling Robin, you know, I'm doing this to help my uncle. They're going to pick him apart. And it's like, but he's also golfing and in the pool with all this food and being yeah. like enjoying all this money, which who wouldn't? I would. But it's like, it's clearly and he's debasing himself in front of his uncle for this money when he thinks he's going to lose it. And one of the things I enjoyed is that he is I feel like he was all those things. He was really feeling for his uncle he was connecting with his uncle but he did just want the money and he was being greedy uh using the title of the movie uh, and, and he was kind of becoming one of his family members you know so it was it was all those things and that kind of i wouldn't say inner turmoil it's not like it was like super dramatic oscar worthy you know writing or or acting i, I just really enjoyed that his character wasn't one note in this comedy right he wasn't 
the hero, but he wasn't the villain. Well, he's somebody that you have to root for. We talk about it all the time in comedies that, you know, yes, when you go to a comedy and maybe you just want to laugh, you you watch certain comedies and then just make you laugh like, oh, that was great. That's funny. And then you watch it again. You're just like, eh, I don't like it as much because you do have to still root for the characters. So you do have to take that right. time to set them up to 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 get you in, uh, invested in the character of Danny so that when it does work out for him, you're happy for him and Robin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not like a, you know, 1980s Chevy Chase kind of movie where it's just like, while it would probably be goofier, it would be, they'd be a little bit more of an ass. You mean like Fletch? Yeah. Fletch is great. I love Fletch. Fletch is a fantastic movie, right. but those movies, like if this was made in 1984 instead of 1994, I feel like the character of Danny would be less likable. Maybe. Uh, and he'd be maybe a little bit more greedy to play up the jokes. Well, you also have Michael J. Fox, who is a likable actor and a likable person. Oh, absolutely. So you can't make him too unlikable. Yeah. Right. Um, it's it's funny because I think if you mention Michael J. Fox to people, you only think people only think about obviously Back to the Future. But then I'm trying to think like what other movies they would think about. They probably think about the Spin City show. Spin City, family Doc ties, Hollywood. About old Jura family. Doc Hollywood. Yeah. Which is basically what cars ripped off. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you don't really think of this movie. Even the movie we did, um, Frighteners. Frighteners. I keep wanting to call it the Phantasm for some reason. Even <laughs> Phantasm. Even the Frighteners. You know, he, that's another character where he's supposed to be unlikable, but you still there's still something there that you kind of like about him. Speaking of the Frighteners, this movie uh, is was the second in a three picture deal that Fox signed with. Universal to do in the 90s. It was a big deal. It was made him a lot of money. The first movie he did was for Love or Money. The mm -hmm. second was this film. And then the third was The Frighteners. So this was part of that Fox, excuse me, that was part of this universal deal that he had signed in the 90s to 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 do movies for them. Good for him. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then I think obviously because Frighteners was 96, he went right into Spin City after that. And he was on Spin City for like six years, maybe five years. He left the last two years, I think, because of uh, that was when his condition worsened. worsened yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So, and then this is also not to get you know more depressing. This is the last film that Kirk Douglas did before his stroke in 1996, which basically he didn't stop acting. Yeah, obviously he after he recovered, but it did affect right. his acting style. So he couldn't really do you know, the same things he could do before roles like this. Right. Yeah. So not to bring everyone down now, I apologize. You know, there's <laughs> a lot. Thanks a lot. Welcome to the sad show. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, say something funny. Uh, uh, what you gotta do. <laughs> and Jimmy Durante. I mean, he's a great guy. Great performer. Not a good looking dude. <laughs> helps his shtick. Do you think that Fox had to learn the shtick or do you think he knew how to do Durante? Or do you think he, I tried to find it somewhere and I couldn't, but I was wondering if he had to learn how to do the impression. I mean, I think he had to watch it once or twice. It's an, but I, I would, it's an easy one to do. I, yeah, I right? don't think that's a hard impression. Yeah. Yet just start talking like this. I didn't intend for you to start doing the impression. <laughs> nope, we're going to do a whole thing. All right, let's go. <laughs> Did you like that the whole beginning of the movie was that opening act that he does? Well, it's an opening credit. I don't yeah. mind it. I, I like credits. I, I don't I don't mind an opening credit scene because it gets you into the movie. Gets you. I, I know that some movies when they start, it's like, boom, let's go. But when you get into the theater and you get your food and you sit down and you watch the trailers and, and you just like take a breath and the movie and the credits start, it gets you to relax and gets you into the movie. Okay, here we go. I'm going to watch this movie. Cause right. when you're watching trailers, you know, you're like, Oh, I want to see that. Oh, I got that looks like crap. Oh, I want to see that. All right. Oh, the, there we go. The movie started. Let's go. It, I think I like opening credits. So right. like opening credits that have something going on. there, not just words and you have to sit there and okay. 
Okay. <laughs> we get to it. But uh, I think it's a fine balance. I was fine. You had to have it there because you were, you really don't see it later on until about a half hour later. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, I like that's what I liked about it was that it, yeah. it comes back around. And I was like, because when I first watched it, I'm like, all right, is that supposed to be the theme of the movie? What's what's going on? And then he does it. I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. And then you have the you have the awesome scene within the video that they're on. Excuse me. The film awesome that they're watching. <laughs> Where's my special boy? I'm right here, Uncle Joe. I'll oh, get in touch with get reality. Touch. <laughs> <laughs> and he just starts crying. He was uh, Joe is. uh uh, dissing the Ed Begley Jr. character, the younger kid, and the cook, so they cut to Ed Begley Jr. He's just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> but I'm just laughing. That kid does look like a whole lot like a young Ed Begley. I was um, like, that's a good yeah, casting right there. Yeah. That kid. <laughs> Spot on. So, I mean, I don't want to sit here and be like, because I'm going to tell you right now, the funniest person in this movie is Phil Hartman. So let, let let's go. Let's let's just put that up top. Okay. Because I want to assume you agree with that. Oh yeah, his okay. his scene in the dinner table, at the beginning. With this I kid. love. <laughs> when he, I love that because it's just it's so like. Every parent wants to just do that sometimes when their kids like acting up and just drag them and it's just yeah go to the kids table make me <laughs> he just grabs him throws him onto the table he's got a cold, cold Uncle Joe he doesn't want you to catch it and one of your daughters spilled milk over there <laughs> bad things can happen wait what are you talking about <laughs> I'm just saying he circles everything he likes does he circle your ass. <laughs> I don't like the Beatles and I don't like you. All right. I'm done with the Phil Hartman line. <laughs> so let's put him up there. Who do you think was maybe, I don't want to say second funniest, but if we put Hartman aside, uh, who's the one that came off that had a lot of good, not just good lines, because that's also with the writing, but maybe good delivery just was they played their character. Well, I think Kirk Douglas does a really good job as uncle Joe. I think he's got a lot of, funny stuff and i like the way he's screwing with everybody mm -hmm. i think that's really enjoyable <laughs> i mean the whole time he's kind of this kind of dick to his whole family which they totally deserve it yeah but you also have these scenes where he's seeing something in danny and also the scene where he goes back to the past and he's seeing young danny and he's he's starting to cry while he's watching the thing yes it's like hey kirk douglas is a fantastic actor yeah, and no, like you're, it really you're, displays there's no glycerin right in there. that eye right there there's not glycerin in yeah there. like kirk cries like all right all right, you want me to cry? I got it. Done. I've seen some pain. <laughs> just, like it's just really got me watching and going, oh my god! It's like he's delivering in this comedy movie from like this is goofy comedy, and he's still delivering. But that so. works. That that's what you need, you know? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, it really anchors yeah. the film and really makes you want to root for Danny and Uncle Joe to really come together and and learn each other, like learn their lessons. And right, it it really is the heart of this film, I think. Right. Were you underwhelmed by how much money he was worth? Because he was worth $25 million, which now is $44 million when you do the inflation. Right. right. Were you underwhelmed by that? Didn't you assume he was going to be like $150 million? I was a little underwhelmed, but I liked that. That's fine. Because it's, 20, it's, it's something to It's more out. realistic. Yeah. Every movie that it's like you have to inherit your uncle's wealth. How much is he worth? A billion dollars or yeah. 700 million. Like, yeah. I like that it's just $25 million. It's It's realistic he got a job at a scrapyard he opens a bunch of scrapyards he's yep. made a ton of money but it's not an unrealistic you know bill gates amount of money i just wonder one of my questions and maybe we can get into a little bit is how deep the con goes how how deep the con job goes for him towards his family 
because what would be how long has he been in that wheelchair? That's I what guess. I'm saying. Because when he's at the scrapyard and Danny shows up, he guy that guy picks him up, puts him in the puts him in the car wheelchair. Yeah. I mean, we have to all assume that that guy's in on it. You know, like it's you know, and he is he telling people I'm just you know, if like my, if my family comes, I can't walk. Yes, like this that that whole thing, and then just to stay with the theme of this being at the steel yard, when they are trying to trying to figure out how to declare Joe incompetent, Glenn says. I have heard stories from people at the scrapyard where he keeps forgetting invoices, where he keeps doing this. And right. you know that, and you look back and he's on the phone, he's doing that to play a part for Danny. You do know that. Yeah. That, that was on that phone. So, okay. So is he fake? So what are we doing? We, we giving false stories to Glenn and then keep this in mind. Okay. So then at that, at that point you find out later on that Danny says to at the end, when he reveals that I'm rich, you know, and he's like, you've been faking this whole time. He's like, well, you put on a show for me. You think I didn't know that was my my right. my brother? Well, what does he say? Richer than I'm richer than shit. Richer than shit. Yeah. You think uh, I didn't know that that was my brother? You th- you know, you were putting on a show for me. I put on a show for you. So that indi- that indicates that the show didn't start until after that. You know what I mean? Or maybe this wasn't the intent. Maybe he was just trying to find out who loved him, but because he had to one up his game. Right. Right. My question also is, when was Molly involved? When did Molly become involved? Because he plays her at the jacuzzi. Because Danny doesn't hear his conversation with Molly when he he tells Molly the same thing that he tells Danny, where he's like, I think I'm going to give all the money to Molly. He tells Molly, I think I'm going to give everything to Danny. Why? But he says that in a room that's like right next to him, though. But Danny doesn't hear him. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I, I question that. I mean, I get it. It's whatever. It's a movie. But still. I don't know when Molly was in on it. I'm not sure either because she's definitely in on it at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, she's sitting down there waving. He's there's probably a whole nother story there that you could do like almost like a like a a short film side comparison where you follow Molly's arc and there are scenes where he's trying to trick Molly and then tells Molly, I'm gonna give you five million dollars, but you're gonna have to help me with this last part here. Right. Like, yeah, they don't really flesh that out. Like, what's going on there? There might have been a, maybe a cut scene in Washington, D.C. Oh, maybe. Or maybe not even a cut scene because that would give away too much. But in Washington, D.C. might have been where he Oh, you may. Oh, now that I'm away from my family. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what's going this on. This is what's happening. Oh, uh, okay. That, there is an old man in a room up here with a young woman. woman. Austin Pendleton is great. In any, like, when you, as soon as you see him in the hotel, you know you've seen him in pretty much everything oh, yeah. in the 90s. And his lines are so good. Sir. Do you, does this name badge say moron to you? <laughs> like he's so he's so rude right back to Michael J. Fox. It's awesome. Most of the most of the rooms here have all been with young girls. This is Washington. Now, can I get you a room? <laughs> no, I don't want a room. Give me the pill. I will make sure they get them. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a room. It better be the cheapest. <laughs> I love the I love the scenes at the the dinner table. They're talking about each other's problems. You know, and they keep trying to one up each other or like cover each other up. Oh, right. I, I didn't hit the school bus. All the kids were fine. And the nuns. <laughs> <laughs> Tina has the drinking problem. And uh, she goes up to Robin at one point and goes, what are you drinking? Oh, a seven up. I'm not much of a drinker. You will be. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Uncle Joe. That was, was last week. <laughs> 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 I tried. I tried to save him. I tried. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the movie, then the real Danny's dad shows up. His real dad, because Danny pretends that his he play has an actor play his father. Right. 
to try to to kind of show Joe that he chooses Joe over his father, which he doesn't. So when his real father shows up, they hug. I can't, you know, that's why I left. And you have that moment. He's like, I'm, you know, like obviously Danny realized he was just he's a, he was wrong. He should become done. one of right. the family members. Yeah. And then his father leaves. Just leaves. Well, because his father is still mad at Joe because no, his father I, realized Joe hasn't I, changed. I get that, but yeah. like he doesn't say like I'll see you outside. Uh, hey, you know, I know I've been away forever. Let's not get dinner or lunch or something. I'm just going to leave. Like, he just walks out. And when you watch him walk out, he leaves the entire office. No, yeah. <laughs> well, because Danny doesn't choose his father. He apologizes for what he's done and what he's become. But Danny hasn't shifted yet. Danny is still in that office. He's still kind of he hasn't walked out yet. Mm-hmm. Not until he finds out that Joe is poor. And even then, it, he, he's just so mad at Joe. Then he leaves. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes that whole fight between uh, him and Phil Hartman to really learn. I love. Wait, no, I have a metal plate in my head. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> We've been eating shit for you for years. And saying, mm, can I have some more? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> oh, we'll be back together at his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll wait for his funeral and then we'll dance on his grave. Oh, when he also has that great uh, physical comedy moment, his head's being slammed on the desk. Oh, and he goodness. lets go and he slams it again. He goes yeah. down. It's like that looked like it hurt, but that was like that was really good. It was really well done. I, I when Phil Hartman passed away, when his uh, for those who don't know, Phil Hartman's uh, sadly guys movies make creeping us out here. A lot of dead people. In his, uh, his, his wife shoot shot Phil Hartman when he was sleeping, then she killed herself. She obviously had dealing with a lot of mental health issues. Uh, but like, it was like, I remember it because I was in New York, I think. And I was at New York going to New York film Academy. And I, it was like, it was May. It was in the summer. Or it was hot or something like that. And I remember that happening. I was just like, was so bummed out. Cause I was just like, oh man, Ugh. it's like, he was, he, I love news radio. He's awesome. in news radio, his SNL stuff is great. But he, every time he was in a movie, no matter the movie, even if the movie was garbage, I know you like jingle all the way, but. It is garbage. Uh, it's garbage. <laughs> um, he is great in it. Like he is just—he was always no. good. He's great in *So American Axe Murder*. He's just—he was he's good. Great in, in *Small everything. Soldiers*. Hila- exactly. He's just <laughs> hilarious. He's funny, and it was—it—it was—it really bummed me out when he passed away. When he was killed, it was just like, oh, come on. But I'm just saying, it was—it was—it yeah. was—it was pretty crappy. Uh, but he is fantastic in this movie. It's tough because you have a lot of people in this film, and they all have to. It's like it's a big cast. It is a very big cast, yeah. And you have to I think you have to have actors and actresses who are willing to let people shine, willing to play their roles and play their characters. No, I don't know. We might be talking out of turn and we might maybe they were all fighting behind the scenes back then, but <laughs> you know, it it didn't come on screen like that. It came on screen like, you know, like it was a well-oiled machine. But you had to have that because it, a lot of the stuff wouldn't work. You wouldn't let someone like Phil Hartman shine in his role. You know, even Tina, you know, she has some funny lines there. Right. You know, Siobhan Fallon Hogan does a really good job, job, you know, and, and she only has maybe like five or six lines in the movie, but they all hit. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's it's not as easy as it, as it looks when you when you see an ensemble, because you have to have a willingness and a buy in by all the actors in order to. Let's just do what's the funniest thing we can. Let's, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You also have, I think, when you have Kirk Douglas on set, you're trying to impress him. Mm -hmm. And not in like a a caddy kind of way. You're trying to be professional. You're trying to live up to 
you're, you're working with a legend. Mm-hmm. And when you do that in any film, it's like, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going right. to be as professional as him, you know, or impress him in some way. I, I'm going to do my best. Because you don't want to look bad in front of a Hollywood, <laughs> literally a Hollywood legend. <laughs> well, you also, I always like hearing when actors take roles or even direct, maybe even writers, directors, people try to get on projects because someone's on the project that they really admire or right. they really wanted to work with in some capacity or they really wanted to be part of. And you see like these, like maybe like you see some uh, big time actor in a, in a small role. And you're like, why is he in this movie? Or like, you see like Christian Slater in Star Trek, uh, which one, the undiscovered country. Yeah. Because he be- gets to be in Star Trek. Right. And like, you, I really like, I like hearing stuff like that because it, it that goes beyond just, making money that goes just beyond egos it's a it's, love of the right art it's being and that and that's a sincere so i'm cool with that like i like that i like hearing that i don't you know not, i don't because too many times you hear about you know big paydays and get paid that, that's definitely worth it get your money right but when you get to be on stuff or you get to work even like actors that do like smaller indie films like go and cut their rate or just go down because they wanted to work with somebody. Like I always remember the story when Kevin Spacey saw public access, which is Brian Singer's first film. He actually went to him and be like, well, I want to, let's do something. I want to do something with you. And they did the usual suspects. And that's, you know, like, so I always right. like hearing about, you know, just Even bigger people seeking, work yeah, talent. seeking out talent, seeking out, just wanting to do stuff, you know, with directors or actors or actresses or, you know, writers, whatever that's, that goes beyond just let's make money. Or let's just, you know, pay my bills, which listen, I understand that pay the bills. I get that. You got right. to do stuff. You do movies to do other movies. I get, I get all that. But it's always nice to hear when, you know, people, you know, sacrifice their own ego for the sake of what's putting on screen or whatever. Oh, right. For so, sure. Uh, so this uh, this <laughs> this rant is over. <laughs> so this is also based on and I've got a couple notes here that says what this movie is based on, which they could allegedly. So I don't know if this is true or not, but. It's based on a novel called McTeague by Frank Norris from 1899, which has a similar okay. style, supposedly. It also has roots with Charles Dickens' Martin Chuzzlewit, which is from 1843 and 44, which is about a family that waits around for- Okay, a I can see that, yeah. Die. So I, now I don't know if these are legit. People are just saying, oh, it's like that. I, I don't know if this is from one of the writers or the director. Mm-hmm. You know, Jonathan Lynn, that, that's where they're getting that. Could but, just be like, I like that storyline. Let's change it up. Right. And it's not, yeah, this- I wouldn't be surprised if we'll see this storyline in 10 years. You know, hopefully they don't remake Greedy. They do their own thing. But you right. know, it's a storyline that, you know, can probably be done a couple more times. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Ways. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I really liked about this movie that I was kind of surprised about was that Michael J. Fox has a bunch of good lines as well. Mm-hmm. They're kind of goofy and silly, whereas usually he plays kind of the person reacting to other people's goofiness. Such as? Well, when he gets drunk. A lot of the stuff happens at the beginning, but when he gets drunk, he's got a lot of like really funny. Just he's just talking super ridiculous. <laughs> like he talks in a way that you know a drunk person would talk. Although he doesn't talk, he slurs words and stuff. But he says different things. Like when the investigative reporter or investigator opens up the door, he goes, "Who are you?" And she asked, "Danny McTeague." No shit, that's my name too. <laughs> and he's with his girlfriend, and it's just like they kiss once, and he goes. Now I'm impotent. It's one kiss. No, you know what? That's the story of my life. And he starts yelling at her when he's in his underwear and he wants to go get more booze because he's finished an entire bottle of Jack Daniels by himself after messing up his bowling game. She goes, you can't go out. You're in your underwear. 
You know what? If I want to go out in my underwear, I'm going to go out in my underwear. I'm a man. I can go out in my underwear. And he leaves the hotel room in his underwear. No, he takes off his pants. Oh, he takes he off his, his pants, underwear. right? Because yeah, he calls her out. Yeah. Takes off his underwear. If You know what? If I want to get naked and he yeah. takes off his underpants and throws them down, I go out naked. And he walks like eight steps out, comes back in, and goes, <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they uh, go to the diner scene and they're looking at the pictures of um, Molly mm-hmm. uh, at sunbathing in the pool naked. And he goes, oh, these are great. Do you have one where she's leaning over a saddle looking coy? <laughs> <laughs> like he's got he's got a lot of funny lines that I was like, I like that. He's got he's got some of the good lines, too. <laughs> I, uh, one of his lines that I enjoyed was in the beginning when he's like, oh, I uh, my my wrist, I, it's her. I, I have to retire. I have to get rid of it. She's like, did you go to the doctor? Did the doctor tell you that? No, Al, the janitor at the bowling alley. He was able, he was able to fit me. And of course I went to a doctor. <laughs> 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 I like the uh, I like a lot of um, Douglas's stuff before he goes before Joe goes upstairs. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, when he's gonna go, when Molly's gonna sh- sleep with him? Shall I? I'm tired. I'm going upstairs. Oh, I see, sir. Shall I bring you upstairs? No, I think Molly will bring upstairs. Oh, I see, sir. Very good, sir. It's been a pleasure working with you, sir. <laughs> like he's just expecting him to die when he sleeps with Molly. <laughs> so may I have a reference before you go upstairs? And then he goes upstairs, and for some reason, uh, the, actor the actor's is hiding is in, in the bathroom. Hey, Joe. Like what? When they're the back and forth and the families are fighting with Molly and Molly's like, I'll sleep with him. And they're just like, oh, forget yeah, it. That, that, <laughs> like they, all, um, automatically he lost. I like when she comes down in the uh, her lingerie yeah. and her <laughs> Phil Hartman's son drops the glass and then Phil Hartman drops the glass as well. <laughs> <laughs> I also like his line, Phil Hartman's line when they he finds out Uncle Joe's broke. No, shitting in a sailboat. That's the shock. This is a fucking disaster. <laughs> I, the other thing too is like there's no, there's no sons and daughters. It's all cousins. There's, it's an uncle, right? I no. I just it was that dynamic of. I wonder if that's because it makes it a lot easier for them to vie for his attention. Because if it's a son, he's going to automatically get it, right? Yeah. Well, it's also the fact that I think it that Joe isn't very likable in general. His opinions are exactly why Danny's dad left. Well, he probably doesn't have a family. He but doesn't you, have a family because yeah. he's not. He lived a life where he was kind of a curmudgeon. He was yeah. kind of a mean dude. Yeah. And or now bachelor, at the end of his life, yeah. he wants to, you know. Share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that be have family. Now he cares about family. But he clearly had. Well, if he's got all these cousins, he clearly had. He's probably like uh, a brother of you know, one of five siblings or something like that, you know? Well, that's weird because when he mentions his past, he only mentions that he had one brother. Right. So that's why yeah. I'm like, where are these cousins? Are these like distant cousins? And yeah. Cousins and sons and things. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, the brother could have gone up and had like a bajillion kids. And then. No, no, I, I know. It's just, from, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I just, it's, it was, it was just a weird dynamic where it's an uncle and a bunch of cousins. There's no brothers. There's no, except hit uncle Joe's brother, but there's no like sons and daughters. And right. Anyone closer that would automatically get, or you would think would automatically get that, that money would earn that money. Um, but like you said, it's probably a way for them to make it easier on who gets the money. And yeah, making it's it cut and dry. Right. Right. It's definitely, yes. Yes. So the son would just be like, all right, I'm putting you in a home, dad. All right. I got the all the money. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I like when we get to do a movie that's a comedy and it's fun, but like, there's like so little facts. It's us usually just doing lines, which is fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those eps and that's not a problem. Um, I did my, one of my last notes in terms of just working behind the scenes is that uh, Michael J. Fox had a, 
was professionally coached by one of the, the pro bowlers. They actually show him Johnny uh, Petraglia, uh, who's in the he's in there like really quickly. He's like like when he's bowling. Oh, is he the like, guy that hits this the strike and it cuts to him? And he's right, yeah. You see the back the of his game. shirt. Yes, yeah. So uh, he had, and I thought, I mean, I thought he came off well. He looked like he could bowl. No, yeah, I yeah. do like that one. You know, we're gonna get into a movie next week where I have issues with Ooh. the cutaways. This is like Michael J. Fox is actually doing it. Okay. Uh, and I, I like I like that. Although he's probably the most in-shape bowler I've ever seen in this movie. Well, he's thin. He's young. He's thin, but yeah. he's kind of like cut well, too. I was like, my cut's kind of in shape there. So he's an actor. Yeah, That's but bowlers. Well, when I think of bowlers, I think of like Kingpin well, and stuff well, like that. <laughs> he, he wasn't a very successful bowler. So I guess that was why. He, <laughs> he almost. He was like right there on the cusp. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't think there's much to say, except, I mean, if you, we saw Greedy on, it was on Prime. I rented it on Prime. Yeah. yeah. So it's available. It's out there. It's one of those 90, I mean, it's one of the 90 films that A, we could get. So that's good. Uh, yeah. Not streaming, but right. available. But no, but it's like not, you know, we're not watching a standard definition version. This is universal. So I would be surprised if at some point this doesn't come to Peacock at some point. Oh yeah. Maybe they, yeah. Come on, Universal, get it on Peacock. Let's go. What am I paying for here? <laughs> Um, which speaking of that, since that Paramount Plus is out, they only have the first three Mission Impossibles. What's up with that? Uh, the rest of them are Netflix right now, aren't they? Well, that's ridiculous. You gotta, wait. Once by. You gotta wait for them to they only have, they they only have four Star Trek movies. What? The older ones. Well, that's also because those are on Netflix as ridiculous. well. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Let's go. I haven't even checked out my Paramount Plus yet. When you click on CBS All Access, it, it becomes automatically Plus, becomes yeah. it. Well, I know I was under the impression you had to go find it again because that's what they said. They sent that out. You had to do that with Max, which we're, stunk. We're down a little road here. Yeah. That way. <laughs> you, you don't need to know what we're doing on a stream. Okay, so Mike, why don't you let everyone know where they can find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or you can find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema. Uh, we post stuff every weekday. We post fun little commercials about what the, we were doing every Thursday. Uh, get in touch with us at ForgottenCinemaPod at G email.com uh let us know what you thought of greedy or let us know what you'd like to see we'll put it on the list you know we might not get to it today or tomorrow but you know yeah. eventually we'll get to it hey some people have been emailing us and giving us feedback and whatnot and that's awesome we like hearing from people and we like talking movies so don't worry uh and if you want to tell me that butler's terrible at his uh his, at his takes that's fine too we all agree <laughs> there uh but this is the last episode of our season so as we like to do, which we were doing every episode in the first year, first season, we're like, we got to stop this. We, I guess we like to pump up what we're doing. Yeah. Plugs. Plugs. Um, I'm not going to plug, for, you know, about Forgotten Entertainment, you know about the stuff. We're, I mean, should we plug this limited series stuff or not really? Check out Forgotten Entertainment. We've got a bunch of awesome stuff. Yeah. There. There's some stuff where you're, this is the end of April right now that you're listening to this. So yet another Star Wars podcast is probably already on and, and, and yeah, it going is. well. Yep. I believe the next one up is yet another DC animated podcast, which is focuses on obviously the DC animated world. And I don't want, I don't remember when that starts. It, it's either starting or it's about to start. And then it's about to start. Yeah. And then the end of May, you have on the QT, which is a 10 episode season uh, about Quentin Tarantino films. Each episode's uh, uh, one Tarantino film. It's uh, being, it's done by uh, John Amenta and Lloyd Green from Panacomics, panacomics.com. Check them out. Uh, they're friends of the show, and we've been on their podcast immensely enough times where other podcasters are complaining now. So uh, we apologize, <laughs> but Forgotten February is a thing now, so you can't you can't get around that. That's right, it's branded. And you know what? Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'm going to say right now, let's get a sponsor next year for it for Forgotten February. Yeah, so, so they can't ignore it. Nice Forgotten February brought to you by Fox and Park Soda. <laughs> Another F brand. Okay, so anyways, um, so yeah, so 
those are some shows on Forgotten Entertainment. In terms of our personal plugs, I would say that I'll tell you right now, uh, I got a book out. It's a novella. It's about 96 pages. It's called Paradoxed. It's about four, uh, three groups, uh, three guys, three friends, and one person they don't like who uh, find a time portal and go back to the 80s and screw up their lives. It's pretty, f- I-, I liked it. I-, I thought it was interesting. That's good. Thanks, man. You didn't read it. Did you read it? Yeah, you gave it to me. I didn't know you read it. Oh, thanks, man. Do you like that? All right, I nice. nice, nice. <laughs> right, so Butler, like I said, I'm happy. I'm going to be doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Butler's starring in it. and <laughs> Doing the audio book. No, so, yeah, we're not, I'm not I'm making a short of this. So, anyway, so it's, uh, um, it's Paradox. It's available on Amazon. I think it's like $3.99. You can get it as an ebook as well. And obviously, Butler's doing the audio book for it. So, you can hear his voice doing, uh, uh, you know, my words, if you if you will, right? Field's voice. My, my no, your voice, my words. words, my voice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's paradoxed, P-A-R-A-D-O-X-E-D. Nice, I said it right. All right, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's pretty much what I've been doing, writing and you know editing constantly. Uh, but go ahead, Butler. What have you been doing? Here it comes here it comes everything. I've got two other podcasts I do. <laughs> I've got Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me, and my buddy Dave. Sometimes my brother Alex, as we talk about all things video game, PlayStation, Xbox, VR. Nintendo, PC, we have it all. We play it all. Check us out. Um, we're available at twoplayerbros.com, forgottenentertainment.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I've also got Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, a podcast I do with my fiance Elise, where we crack open a different brew every episode. And uh, Elise gives you the history of the beer. She's your beer fresher, as we call her. And she goes over the history of the hops, what the hops are used for, the history of the breweries. Sometimes we get to interview the brewers, which is really cool. Uh, so check that out. Hopefully we'll be doing some video content uh, toward the summertime when things kind of get more relaxed in terms of COVID stuff. Uh, but we do have other like phone over the phone or uh, Zoom interviews with different brewers and breweries and we find out what got them into it and how everything's going and stuff like that. So it's really fun. And then we do the tasty notes on the different beers at the end of every episode. So join us. Oh, sorry. Oh, I didn't cut you off. And oh, for crying out loud, I'm going to get a book. Go ahead. Speaking of books, I do audiobooks, as Field mentioned, with Paradoxed. I do audiobooks on audible.com, so look for me, Michael Butler. I do audiobooks, mostly horror books right now, but I do have a couple of sci-fi books. I have a uh, Switch Art Fraud and Gangsters, which is like a Guy Ritchie crime book where I do British accents in it, which is pretty fun. But check me out on Audible. I don't get paid unless people buy the books, so spread the word. Buy some of my books. Help me get paid. Help me leave my day job. Hold on, I gotta, that's all I, I got to pay you for this? Well, I'm going to get a cut of it, yeah. (laughs) Are you done now? Are you done? I've also got nine other podcasts Uh, in the works. Uh, That is is all I got. All right, so join us next week, which we start a new season, and it's a themed season. So next week, it's going to be called, we're changing the name of the podcast to Forgotten Summer. That's right. Uh, And what this is, can you guess what we're talking about? So we're going to be talking about movies that had a summer release uh, and then we're forgotten about. Um, and we'll get into why. Uh, so 13 movies, 13 summer films throughout the years. Next week, we are, which is funny because next week, the first one wasn't really a summer release. It was released in April. You little, son But it was. It came out in the <laughs> summer after that. So I don't want to hear it. But anyways, um, and I'll get to, we'll get to it next week. But next week, we're doing a movie uh, called Croupier, which was done in 1998, but it was released in 2000. Uh, it's with Clive Owen and Alex Kingston. And yeah, and a bunch of other British actors that we'll get into next week. So that's Croupier. Um, what are you looking at me like that for? I'm not looking at you like anything. Darn right you're not. All right. <laughs> that's next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. <laughs>